0: Hello, all. Welcome to Pence Mr. Watson. I am, of course, your host as ever, forever and eternally, as I always say, Christian Watson. it be so wonderful to be with you guys today on this lovely Tuesday. Uh, you know, there's nothing like Tuesday because it's it's sort of the midpoint between the middle of the week and the beginning of the week. And a lot of people tend to abhor Mondays, although I think Mondays should be days that uh, you use as a blueprint for the rest of your week and perhaps even the rest of your month because they are the starting point. And the starting point, and you should know this, the starting point of anything is where the most potential to create, the best outcome for that thing rests. So just know that. But it is good to be with you guys today. As I always start my show out by saying, I am doing okay today. Um, It's been a very wild month. It's been a very <laughs> interesting year. Uh, but I'm fine, and I'm happy to be with you guys today. So, the country, however, a lot of the areas of the country are whirling with a tumult and turmoil and chaos and for many different reasons, as I'm sure my viewers know. It is most unfortunate the emphasis that is being placed upon the Georgia Senate race and what that is doing to our perception of this American experiment, this grand American experiment, upon which a lot of our rights, a lot of our dreams, a lot of our hopes are predicated in a sense. It's unfortunate. And we're going to talk a lot about that because I'm in Georgia and I'm seeing it. Right in front of me, I'm seeing this grand exhibition of, of of slavishness towards the ballot box, slavishness towards certain political figures as opposed to being adherent to ideas, being adherent to human beings. I'm seeing all kind of malign things manifest and create a lot of tremors throughout this country and a lot of false misunderstandings and vain fascinations, which I'm going to talk about today um, throughout the nation. So talk about that today. There was a, over the weekend, you guys may have missed this, in Washington, D.C., there was a March for Trump rally, and the rally highlighted a, it was composed of a confrontation between the Proud Boys and Antifa, and people were stabbed, people were injured, maimed, hurt, uh, a lot of uh, discord emitted from that event, and it spread throughout the rest of the country, and I'm going to talk about what those kind of political events really do to us in the course of trying to find a, a not a balance, but a resolute solution to the chaos that is ensconced our nation is in Scotland at the moment. Uh, so all that and more on this episode of, of Politics with Mr. Watson, but I must ask you guys, before I ask anything else, to tune in tomorrow... At 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, to Dr. Carlin Boroshenko, that is K A R L Y N Boroshenko, B O R Y S E K S E N K O. Carlin Boroshenko. I will be on her channel uh, to talk about my experiences with critical race theory as a college student, as a college debater, and how the Biden administration is showcasing a willingness to embrace those leftist, nonsensical, academic ideologies, and how college students, when they are infected with these ideologies, with these bugs of despair, these bugs of determinism, they go out into the workplace, and they begin infecting the workplace with these bugs of despair and these tides of determinism, and then the workplaces turn into factories. You see, the colleges go from being factories, and the workplaces become factories, for this kind of nonsensical, ideological pretension. And so I'll be discussing how to fight that and my experiences with that with Dr. Carlin Borschenko, and I am incredibly, incredibly happy to be doing so. I'm excited. Again, we have to have these hard conversations. A lot of us think when you hear the word critical race theory or white privilege or white guilt or white fragility, as Robin DeAngelo so eloquently and falsely said in her 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 terrible tract, That has become quite famous amongst many academics. (laughs) Uh, It's important for us to to confront these so-called boring topics, as many people would say these dry topics, because these dry topics are having really real, dynamic, and chaotic effects in American society, in our being, in our institutions. And one of those effects is the corrosion of liberty, and thereby... The execution, the annihilation of our natural rights. The formula upon which this great font of liberty and individualism, the greatest that human history has ever known, the United States of America, emerged from. So whenever you see a dry academic topic and you think, oh my Christian, this seems too dense for me, I cannot stand this. Well, uh, you ought to understand that this is something, that, that the world is much bigger than you, it's much grander than you, that this existence is not confined within your head. It's not confined in things that you find fascinating. This existence is a amalgamation of things that are outside of you and therefore demand your attention if you care about the preservation of your own life, the quality of your own life, your rights, the the, the traditions of American society. If you care about anything related to those things, then you must have an interest in these things. But you don't, You're blinding yourself. You're pulling the wool over your eyes to ensure comfort and the expediency that comfort will bring you into a certain sector of life. But the expediency that comfort brings you in that certain sector of life betrays what you need for the broader sphere of life. It betrays what you need to be an informed person, an enlightened person, and someone who understands these things. But a lot of us, and I'm not trying to write here, but a lot of us have a tendency, my friends, to go and embrace ignorance because ignorance comforts us. Ignorance comforts us a lot. If you are in a neighborhood that you deem to be a very safe and posh neighborhood in, in a suburban area, and then you learn that every night a murder, one murder happens in uh, a few feet proximity of you, that is going to destroy your sense of comfort. It's going to, dist- it's going to do things. It's going to shatter the perception you had of the area, and by shattering the perception that you bound yourself to, which wasn't true in the first place, it destroys your sense of comfort. And so, you become, you feel unsafe, you may do some, um, some chaotic things, you may do some things that may not be very good for your well-being or your feelings well-being, all because you want to shield against this enemy that you knew was there all, of, all along, but you had shielded yourself from the knowledge thereof for a long time. There's a reason why dictatorships try to control the flow of knowledge. There's a reason why, uh, whenever uh, book burning, there's a reason why when certain traditionalistic forces or certain uh, forces in society, which were not in favor uh, of a certain uh, of certain of certain ideologies, would try to burn books and remove. There's a reason why the church. A long time ago had uh, a monk, uh, one monk per page write part of the Bible so that no one could one could have that sort of a mass amount of energy and knowledge about the Bible and the sacred text. There's a reason why. Cause he or she who controls knowledge controls the flow of concepts into people's minds and therefore controls their thinking and therefore controls their actions. And we embrace that false stream of activity by shielding ourselves with ignorance. So stop shooting yourself with ignorance and understand that there are some very terrible academic theories out there which are threatening the existence of this country, which are threatening the existence of your rights, which are postulating a false idea of the human condition, a false ontological notion that you need to get up and fight if you're going to call yourself a patriot of any kind of sort. It's very simple. But that's not the mood for many people. For most folks, the mood is very simple. You give me the news. I will interpret the news through my ideological basis, or I will listen to someone who interprets the news for me through my ideological basis, my narrow basis, and if what you say or what they say or what I see goes against what I think, I will shut it off, and I will retreat back to my covenant of ignorance. I will embrace the spirit of the allegory of the cave uh, stipulated in the Republic by Plato, and I will just stay there, and I'll keep seeing shadows for the rest of my life. Well, if you want to break out of those shadows... I encourage you, please listen to my interview with Dr. Carolyn Borshenko on Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. It's going to be seismic. It's going to be dynamic. It's going to shatter. It's going to shatter manacles that are false. It's going to shatter force fields around the mind. It's going to do things that are essential to your understanding of this current political moment. All right. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I go on 10 sometimes. I truly do. But it's okay. Because this is what Penn's politics is about. I'm not going to be here at like a robot trying to comfort you and coddle you into certain. I'm not going to be like a news announcer. Well, today on this episode of the news, five cars were on a pileup on I-75. No, 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 no. no, Well, the evil liberals or or the evil conservatives are doing. No, 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 no. You can go watch someone else if you want to hear that crap. I'm going to ignite a spark within you, which subsequently ignites a change within you and causes you to go through the world as a harbinger, as an emissary of that newfound revelation brought through you by epistemic epiphany. That's what I'm going to do with you. And if you're not ready for that, you can click off the video or the audio or wherever you're listening to me at. It's okay. (laughs) But back on the topic. So the Georgia Senate election is being unduly worshipped and given a lot of importance by a lot of people in the country. A fellow I met at the walkaway rally, and I love walkaway by the way, they're, they're an awesome movement, Scott Pressler, I took a picture with. He told me, well, he didn't tell me, he told, he told his audience that he is not going to stop fighting and that the Georgia Senate election is going to be the most important election of our lifetimes. And this language is being repeated and echoed by everyone from the right to the left. Joe Biden is was in Georgia today, actually, in fact, before I began this broadcast an hour ago. He was speaking with um, Ossoff and Warnock. And he was saying, oh, my, if we have to go out and vote. People die for your right to vote. You need to go out and get these people in because if cause injustice will reign if we don't. And you have the same kind of language coming on from the uh, from the conservative side as well. And the thing is, I am sympathetic to the conservative side. As you guys know, I'm a right leaning individual. I am very sympathetic. But I am not sympathetic to anyone who places the fate of our individual lives in the hands of force. Because think about this all government really is is force. It is a mass amalgamation uh, used as a mechanism to execute force in very ordered ways. They will execute force in the areas of education, in the areas of commerce, in the areas of the environment, in the areas of defense, in the areas of health. They will they, they will instead they will use their tools of force called regulations or rules, and they will have departments which institute those tools of force onto different sectors of life and society. It, that model of government operates on the false notion that the government is the chief custodian of life and therefore must direct our lives and control our lives and order our lives to the wisdom of the bureaucrats. That's where that false notion rests. <laughs> But it's not true, obviously. It's not true. The human condition rebels against such tampering. Our natural rights rebel against such ideas, such false nations, such such vain notions. But we are embracing those ideas in a silent way when we keep putting emphasis on elections rather than our own lives or activities. Breitbart made a good input made a good uh statement. He said politics is downstream of culture I, I, I like to say that po- culture precedes politics. What that no, all means? and People think that culture is this massive thing, this organism this supercell, this giant supercell, as Spangler a, a philosophical historian would say back in the 20s and everything, a supercell which had a certain lifetime which had a beginning date, an expiration date and we can test and prod and try to understand that supercell through our mechanisms, divine sociology and divine with so many other sort of things and then we can try to order that supercell towards we want it to be that's what most folks think culture is that's not what culture is culture is me and you whenever we get together whenever we exchange our creative energies in an individualized space, that's culture. And the amalgamation, the compendium, of thousands upon millions of other Americans doing the same thing creates a, a, a sort of broader sense of culture, which must, if you going to understand it, be tied down to the micro-level. <laughs> but people don't get that. But anyway... People who say this election is the most important in our lifetime don't understand that I am the one who controls my destiny. Now, of course, the government has gotten unduly powerful. The government has decided to take root in many ways that are malign. And there are senators and politicians who can use those excesses, who can use those illegitimate um, appendages of the government to suppress me or try to suppress me, and we must fight against that. And we often uh, idealize fighting against those things with... Other people who will use force a different way. We never say, Oh, dearest me, why don't we just stop trying to elect people who vow to use force and not promote liberty and not promote individualism, not promote, you know, the traditions of liberty that America, that are bound to America's conceptual DNA. Well, instead of the uh, we're just going to promote people who will, who will pay lip service to those things. But in practice, will be for excessive government. Will be for all manner of things which will violate the principles that we prima facie claim to be for. Leffler and Purdue are not even really conservatives. Leffler is a woman who decided to donate for a good majority of her career to progressive causes. And then, when she's tapped by Brian Kemp arbitrarily... Because Brian Kemp wants to appeal to the identity politics notions of Georgia politics. Because he lost suburban women when he ran for governor a few years ago. And so he figured, you know what, I'm going to try to appeal to those suburban women. And I'm going to pick a white woman who's not even really in suburbia, by the way. She's in downtown Buckhead, which is a very affluent part of Atlanta, which is very urban. (laughs) But anyway, there are many reasons why Brian Kemp's logic on that, which is absolutely nonsense. But still, anyway, I'm going to try to pick her... So I can appeal to that demographic. And what happens? You have this absolute political neophyte going before millions in a debate stage, acting as a robot, well, radical liberal, Raphael Warnock, oh, radical, liberal, radical, radical, and she's just stammering over her words, and she's just reciting the same exact arguments over and over and over and over again. Look, I've been in collegiate debate, and even though collegiate debate has pretty poor standards, if I, if I was doing that, I would have been disqualified from the entire tournament, much less the round. My lord. Much less the round. Goodness, help me. Oh, Jesus. And this is not to say that Kelly Leffler does not have good ideas. A lot of her ideas I do support. Well, I don't support the corporate welfare and the tax credits and all that kind of nonsense. That could have that sort of, you know, I'm forced by government, but I'll, but I'll happily intervene in the economy. I don't support that but there are a lot of ideas from her that i do support i am closer to kelly warrock uh, this, this should this should be evident by the, t- the way you hear me talk i am closer to Kayleffler logically than i am to Raphael warnock i don't agree with warnock on basically anything i don't agree with also on basically anything they are both they are both people who worship and adulate the altar of the state and think that the American experience, and beyond that, the human experience is tied to what you do at the ballot box. The ballot box is God for Oscar Warnock. That is a false idea which leads us to nowhere good. That is a false idea which neglects the idea of human freedom, which is natural and inherent to all of us, and allows us to exercise our free will in ways that are dynamic and unquantifiable. But no, according to Othman Warnock, you can be, you can be, you can be confined to certain boxes and demographics. You can be bound to historical experiences, and those things can be rectified or enhanced through the ballot box. Those are false ideas which reject my ability to be able to do this human thing on my own. So trust me, I understand that Ossip and Warnock are threats. Oh, get me. Get me on that one. I understand that entirely. I don't doubt that. I don't want Warnock in the Senate. I don't want Awesome in the Senate. I don't want people who are going to sit there and hammer away at my free will to be in the levers of, 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 to be near the levers of power. I don't want that. But do I want people who pay lip service to conservative ideas, to ideas of small government, to to preservation of traditions of liberty, do I want those people to be in similar positions and to represent the cause, represent libertarianism and conservatism in vain ways? No, I don't. I don't. But we 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 confine ourselves to false dichotomies, and we say, okay. Leftler's bad, Purdue is bad, a lot of stuff in Warnock are worse, therefore, we're going to go and vote for Purdue and Leftler. No! Bad is bad, for goodness sakes, people. Bad is bad. You know, a lot of us embrace this sort of Michael Jackson idea of moral qualities. If you think you be my baby, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. Remember that song? That's a good song. If you think you'd be my brother, it don't matter if you're black or white. I like that song a lot. I like Michael Jackson a lot, too. But unfortunately, we cannot apply those ideas to this. It does matter if something is good or bad. The black or white quality, which Michael Jackson's talking about, that sort of spiritual quality of ethical qualities of ethical identities. That does matter. It does matter. But when you say, oh, it doesn't matter if one is bad because the other is worse, you are using a utilitarian calculus, a consequentialist calculus, to make determinations about a nation founded on natural principles, about a nation founded on the ontology, about a nation that is founded on the resoluteness of human freedom, the resoluteness of rights. You are trying to rebel against the DNA of the nation by making these calculations, by supporting these people. So what did I do? I went to the ballot box. I got that green card and I put it in that Dominion voting machine. I looked at the screen and I looked at Leffler's name very closely. I looked at Purdue's name very closely. You know what I did afterwards? Do you know what I did afterwards? I left the ballot blank. Took the card out. Got my ballot, which was printed, walked over to the big fax machine thingy, and I submitted my blank ballot successfully. No one on the ballot in Georgia deserves my vote. Now, it is my hope that all stuff Warner cannot not ascend to power. That is my dearest hope. But if you think I'm going to sit there and claim to be a libertarian conservative and claim to believe in the ideas of America and claim to believe in the ideas that animate our individual freedom and claim to believe in rights, and you're going to make me support two people who only give lip service to those ideas and don't really understand them, don't really care about them at all? Oh, to hell with that. No, 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 no. I know it's not the popular thing to say. I know it's not the best thing to say. I know that I'm going to get blasted for it, but I don't care. The truth and my convictions matter more to me than expediency. But it's always this tribalistic notion that, that that shields us and blinds us from ideas. Tribalism blinds us from ideas. It truly does. I don't care if you're Team Red or Team Blue. Eleanor, are you Team right? Are you on the right side? Shout out to Right Side Broadcasting Network. Shout out to them. They're, they're, they're great. RSBM, one of the most revolutionary media companies in the world. And shout out to Faber Ravens as well. Shout out to them. They're great as well. I'm on them, obviously. Brian Hyde and Joe Carrier are, are, are phenomenal. Shout out to them. Please, check us out you haven't already. I'm not trying to rant today, guys, but I'm just on fire right now. Because I see so much mistruth being pushed through through the annals of society. It's still evident. It's still evident. It's still evident. So we have to ask ourselves a serious question. And we're about to go on break for a moment. Ask yourself a serious question. Do you want to be held to account for supporting those who professed to be for these pure ideas of Americanism, but instead betrayed them every amount of the way? Or do you want to say, I made a conscientious decision to take a third way? And so you may may be wondering, well, Christian, what do you suggest we do? I will tell you that in a few moments coming up. Uh, we've got to have a break right now, but I love all of you, and please stay tuned. Um, like us, share this podcast, wherever you are, on our podcast, Spotify, YouTube, Febby Ravens, and please remember to uh, keep commenting and engaging with me whenever you can. All right, guys, I will be back in a few moments, right here on the Febby Ravens Media Network. Alright everyone, welcome back to Pensive Politics, Mr. Watson, your host, your lovely host here. Thank you guys for staying with us over the commercial break, or over the short break if you're on YouTube, little intro break. Thank you so much for staying with us. And again, your support and your listenership means the world to me. It truly does. Look, I I am 20 years old, my friends. You don't get this. I'm 20 years old. And I'm chasing a wildly unorthodox and audacious dream. A dream conferred not by the evidence of things seen, not by a sort of positivistic empirical calculus, but a dream conferred upon me through my passions, which cohere directly with my skills, and which provide, conjunctionally, a necessity for me to get my voice into this political sphere. And cause revolutions in the minds of men. Revolutions, not that will go around like a revolution, like a world revolves around this axis. But revolutions that will go around like epiphanies and make those who have strayed away from the original vision of their humanity, of their individuality, of their freedom, of their rights, of that common sense, as Thomas Paine said it in that sacred pamphlet which united a fire in the hearts of millions of people around the colonies. I want you to go back to that and understand that. And so as a 20-year-old, taking up the mantle of such a very lofty cause, as many would say, I don't think it's very lofty, it's very grand, a very tall order, so to speak, I face a great, 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 great deal of self-doubt sometimes, of strain, of discouragement. But whenever I do, I remind myself that this is simply the price that those who try to achieve greatness pay. You know, there are some times where I will compare myself to other people, but I find that whenever I do that, and I listen to myself, I am I stray away from the tendency to compare myself with others, and I recognize just who I am. I recognize just. The, the, the greatness that I possess within my being, and that greatness is enough, my friends. It's enough. What you already have is enough, which is why I said on my Twitter last night, stop telling people that they have a potential. That's nonsense. Stop it. Because when you tell them that, you are omitting everything that they do have, and you're making them chase a ghost ship they may they may not catch. And therefore, you are appending, or you are providing the foundation for them to append all of their value and their dreams on some phantom thing. No, no, no. But your value, your greatness is not phantom. It is evident within you. It can be seen within you. It can be detected within you. It is positive within you. Understand that, people. This is not just a political talk show. Nor is this an attempt to be like the new Tony Robbins or some self-help guy. I'm trying to get you to realize how the political interacts with the human and how the human, the political, and how you can take both of those things both distinctively and conjunctionally to do good things with yourself. If there is one thing I can help you do, if that means perfecting yourself, I, I would love to do that. Truly, I would. I would. So every time you subscribe, every time you comment, every time you download this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Pandora or Google Podcasts wherever you're watching, every time you send an email to Brian Hyde or an email to Joe Carey or you send an email to the February Ravens email account or you watch the show on the network, every time you do, you are helping me get to some place. So thank you so much. I cannot. I am forever in your debt. Because we're all gonna make it. We're all gonna be all right. I promise you. I I assure you. I have seen it, and I'm I am saying it to be so. And so we have now actualized that, that truth into reality. All right, guys. So over the weekend, uh, oh, oh, yes, the, the Georgia primary thing. So, so many people will ask, what is the solution that you're positing, Christian Watson? What is the solution that you're positing? What are you saying? Should we just sit by and let the Democrats take over the Senate and let us be destroyed by a bunch of progressive um, judicial activists or legislative activist policies? No, not at all. What I would have everyone do, I would have every single person you really want to beat back the corruption on both sides and the ideological distinctions and dissenting on both sides i would have every single one of you very simple submit blank ballots for everything oh yeah if you don't vote for either side you smash the paradigm and if every person were to submit a blank ballot Neither candidate would have the votes to win, to constitute a majority. The system would crash most certainly. Oh, yes, it would. But that would would send a very stark message to every established order in American political consciousness that says, you know what? We care about individualism. We care about liberty. We care about preserving the limitedness of government. We care about that vision that our founders said. We care about these things. We care about the Constitution. We care about natural rights. We care about natural law. We care about all these things. We care about becoming the best person we can be. We care about all these things. But if you are going to profess... On the right side to be for those things, but then don't. Then your actions suggest differently. We're not going to support you. And if you're going to go against us on the left side, and not only be against those things, but try to destroy those things, we're definitely not even going to give you the legitimacy of having your name on our ballots. So we're going to put up. We're going to put blankness, a blank slate, a tabula rasa mentality into the ballot system. That's what I would do. So I suggest you do sincerely. That's what I would do. Now, of course, not everyone's like me. Not everyone is as pure and noble as me, I suppose. I'm not trying to act as if I'm holier than thou. But I I don't want us to try to secede too much or make too many concessions for the sake of being stooges of the political system. I think you are special enough not to need to concede these divine values that you as an American transmit through your everyday life, that you as a human being transmit through your everyday life. It's not necessary. It's not right. It's not ethical. So don't allow false dichotomies to trap you. That's how you handle this Georgia Senate election thing. I put my ballot in blank. I didn't vote for anyone. And if everyone did that, no, it would, they would basically have to revise the Constitution of Candidates. It would, be a, it would be a crisis, but a crisis that births new life. A crisis that brings forth the assurance of new things. So that's what I would do with the Georgia election thing. If you want my honest opinion, that's what I would do. But beyond that topic, because I have to get covered things today. I only have a few more minutes left. <laughs> beyond that topic, let's discuss what happened... And over the weekend in Washington, D.C., the Proud Boys. So there was a march for Trump, and during the day, the march was relatively okay. Um, there were some uh, words exchanged between the Proud Boys and Antifa, uh, and oh, there are always words exchanged between those two organizations. When I was at the, the Stop the Store rally in Atlanta, as just as an observer, I saw Antifa on the other side of the barricades uh, coming up and trying to uh, instigate a conflict, but the best thing is, In Atlanta, the police department does not play around. It does not give quarter to the actions of fools. If you try to start chaos or instigate something in Atlanta, the police department will do its proper duty, its divinely ordained duty, and they will stop you. If you try to riot and loot in Atlanta, they will stop you. So, thankfully, the cops were allowed to do their jobs, and that resulted in no violence and no altercations that were direct and physical. But there were many altercations in the emotional, and mental, and spiritual realms, of course. Plenty of those. Plenty of those. And, and those altercations took the form of words being sp- spat across the bow, of, of, of screams, of other kind of vibrations that went out through the air. But nothing that is material and could have caused bodily harm. And so I'd rather keep the altercations on the conceptual level, and the mental level, and the emotional level, and the spiritual level, because that way, you can just drown them out. But it's very hard to drown out an imposition of force upon your being. I can kill you. (laughs) I can destroy the vessel that animates your being to go forth. But unfortunately, the police in Washington, D.C. are invertebrates. The police chief in Washington, D.C. is an invertebrate as well. They are sad invertebrates who refuse to defend rights, and allow chaos to reign supreme in the streets. Allows the order of the streets to become the order of, uh, of, of, of the broader society. In the order of the streets, it's not anarchy. People think all oh, the order of the streets. No, no, no. Gangs and other criminal organizations that, that claim dominion over the streets are actually quite organized, and they have laws. They have laws, and they have values, which are many of them are, involve reciprocity, some sort of distorted form of the eye for an eye mentality. If you mess with one gang member, you mess with all of us, so we're going to kill you. Oh no! The order of the streets is not the rule of the jungle. It's not chaos. It's not anarchy. It is very ordered, but it is cutthroat and belligerent and ruthless. And the D.C. police let ruthlessness reign supreme. Because as the dawn set, people were stabbed. And I think there were casualties. I'm not entirely sure about it. But people were stabbed. People were hurt. They were maimed. Chaos broke out. And the cops, where were they? They did nothing about it. This is the problem. with, with this thing. Look, police officers in this country are under a lot of strain, a lot of stress, I get it, and overall, I want to see the police remain. The defund the police movement is absolutely ridiculous. There should be an emphasis on police reform, and President Trump has thankfully endeavored in, in, in criminal justice reform. Um, there should be an endeavor to ensure that civil asset forfeiture and other sort of obtrusive arms of the government are destroyed, and are annihilated, and not allowed to take place anymore. There should be measures to ensure that bad cops are held to account, sure, but when the cops are just doing their regular duties and they are not hurting anyone and they are simply protecting rights, I'm fine with them. They were not protecting rights and on the weekend in D.C. The Proud Boys, so, but the, the, the cops are actually protecting, the Proud Boys had to protect people at that rally. Now earlier, cops were surrounding Antifa and protecting them from the Proud Boys, because so the Proud Boys were trying to attack the, the Antifa. And for those of you who do not know who the Proud Boys are, they are a... They started off as a satirical organization founded by Gavin McInnes, who was a, a comedian and a political commentator. He founded them a few years ago. He has since departed their ranks for many reasons. I'll tell you about that in a moment. And they started as a satirical organization to promote, you know, the idea of male rights and to uh, lambast the sort of uh, cultural excesses of the militant academic left. They, are, they were entirely a reactionary movement. Um, but. Gavin McInnes, the one who started it, left the Proud Boys because he found them to be a little bit excessive in their moments and too belligerent for him. So the founder of the Proud Boys eventually departed because they became too belligerent for them, and they have been involved in several cultural conflicts throughout the duration uh, of the past few years, whether it's in Berkeley against Antifa or whatever, whether it's in uh, Atlanta at Stop the Storm Rally. The Proud Boys are a ubiquitous force throughout American street politics, American street political theater. (laughs) Sure, they are. And so I don't so much – I'm not a fan of the Proud Boys necessarily, just as I'm not a fan of any erratic or chaotic group um, that uses militants and belligerents to get its causes. I'm more of a fan of the Proud Boys than I am of Antifa, certainly, Uh, but it's about – methodology is quite important. Methodology is is integral to ensuring what you do has a positive effect or uh, uh, adheres to to the best principles. And the methodology of instigation that is brought about through many political street organizations is not all that wise in my opinion. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. Which is why this is where I do my combat at. This is a battle station. This podcast. So my voice is is, 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 is the missiles. My microphone is the silo. And this podcast is the battleship. The battle station. And I am launching missiles right now through the silos that go out of the warship, which is this podcast, towards pretension, towards collectivism, towards nationalism, towards all these false ideas, towards towards leftism, towards um, racial racially based thinking, towards victimology and victimhood as preached by the left, towards racial pedagogy, towards these things. I am launching missiles right now off my tongue through this warship of this podcast against these things. That's how I fight. That's how the most profound victories for moral righteousness and ethical greatness have been achieved in America through the tongue, through the written word. Street theater does nothing. Protesting is fine. I don't mind protesting. Protest if you want to. I'm fine with that. It's good. Fine. But understand that the effectiveness of that kind of political involvement is largely vain and vacuous. We fight through the media. We fight through this medium right here. We fight through our words, through our writings. That's how you shift the cultural paradigm to a better point, to a newer point, to a more refined point. You don't do that by going out in the streets and yelling at sucks or Proud Boy sucks or we're gonna go destroy. Yeah, that's not how you do that. But I do I hats off to the Proud Boys for protecting people. I I I like that. But the Proud Boys need to revise how they go about doing things. Seriously. Antifa is just largely a bunch of radical people. Radical... And radicals aren't a bad thing, but when radicalism uh, escalates to violence, it can become a bad thing. They're a bunch of of, of left-wing mercenaries who are laboring under false assumptions about the world, and who inflict those false assumptions about the world onto us with the bludgeons of chaos, the bludgeons of intimidation, the like literal bludgeons too, and, uh, um, and clad in black block masks and boots and jackboots and all kinds of other things which are uh, 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 symbolic and emblematic of military insignia. We don't like Antifa. But... There have been calls to make it, to make, declare them a terrorist organization and therefore arrest anyone who associates with them. Look, if Antifa is gathering in a place and they aren't doing anything violent, I'm fine, that's fine. I don't like them still, but that's fine. The problem is, most of the time, Antifa is doing things that are violent. So you don't need a terrorism declaration to handle that. All you need is the cops to be able to do their jobs. To arrest people for intimidation or for all kinds of other things. There are a litany of charges that cops could wield against anti-radicals anti-terrorists if they wanted to, if they were allowed to, if these mayors and these chief of police were not incapacitating and clipping their abilities to act effectively. But unfortunately, appeasement is a strategy that is undertaken by a lot of politicians in America towards these left-wing ideologues. Appeasement is a strategy. Stop appeasing these people and do something. And speaking of appeasement, we must discuss the culture of vain fascinations, <laughs> which is a part of this entire Proud Boys and Antifa thing. The same principle links them all together. I mentioned in a video that I did on my channel, on my YouTube channel, you should go check it out if you haven't already, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were nominated for Times Person of the Year last week. And that really reflects the culture of mass validation, which lead to vain fascinations. I was on Twitter the other day, and I was on a guy, and and, and look, this guy's my friend, I I respect him, I'm not trying to attack him. I was on Brad Palumbo's Twitter account, and I saw a tweet that he made about how people need to stop uh, thirsting, which is a colloquial way of saying uh, lusting over individuals on their main Twitter accounts. For those of you who don't know, some people on Twitter have accounts where they do their main stuff and accounts where they do their salacious stuff. And there are people responding that said, oh stop it. Oh, oh I'm guilty or oh you're guilty. And I'm thinking to myself, this is on the account of a political commentator who writes a lot of good who writes a lot of interesting stuff. Has a lot of compelling pieces on feed.org. I can encourage you to go check out Brad's stuff. And a lot, some of those tweets that he does that are very good stuff, very good articles and works don't get a lot of attention. Some of those, not many of them do, but some of them don't. Whereas tweets like this get hundreds of likes and it's just, it's retweets and comments. We live in a society plagued, my friends, by vain fascinations, vain imaginations. When the most salacious and outrageous of things, which are closer to the primal base of our humanity, have more of a spotlight than the things which determine how the government interacts with the whole of our humanity. We are compartmentalizing ourselves and resigning ourselves to the lowest part of our humanity, our sexualities, which are still a part of humanity, don't get me wrong, but still they're a lower part of humanity. And we are taking that and using it as an overall value judgment system on how we interact with social media and other marts of commerce and agoras, which allow ideas to flow forth. And so when you have this tainted idea about how you interact with the world or whatever, then you're going to get things like this. You're going to get vain fascinations. you are going to be drawn more to at least just talk about San Mendes or about Camila Cabello or something like what TMZ does, the crap that they dispense I can't stand TMZ, the crap it dispense. We're going to get more stuff like that as opposed to more stuff that's interested in the philosophy or the theory or the information of, of of the systems of our political system or the systems of our political existence of our society, how we interact with human beings. No, we, we compartmentalize ourselves to so the base on the primal. Those vain fascinations. Vain fascinations. Generally. It's concerning. It's terribly concerning. Vain fascinations. The intellectual struggle, the struggle for intellectual greatness is very hard, my friends. It's difficult. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to come like that. It's not supposed to be a fast-food-driven mentality thing. It's hard. It's difficult. But a lot of us, especially a lot of our young folks, don't want to take that juggle under account. What they want to do? Oh, forget this politics thing. I'll show a vain fascination in politics. I will go on and I'll say something about politics. But I'll only interact with it in a very basic way. But I'll interact with my the base of my humanity, my sexuality, in a much more profound way. <laughs> Man, telling yourself, short. This is why I hope that as a thinker and an intellectual, as I grow, that no one is ever interested or fascinated with me in a vain way. Although that's not that's probably not even possible, but still, don't be fascinated with my clothes or my appearance or even how I talk. Be drawn to the ideas that I dispense. Don't be drawn to me. Be drawn to the ideas that I dispense for your consideration. I'm like a lawyer arguing before the court of the mind, and I'm right before the court, the judges, which is your mind, which is your consciousness, and I'm giving forth fruit. I'm giving you all kind of things for your consideration, Mr. Judge, your honor, your honors, and I'm asking you to consider them in an impartial and fair way. But if the judge pays attention to what, the, what, what his petitioners are wearing or how they look or whatever, and he's focused on the physical, not the mental or the conceptual or the spiritual, that judge is a blind judge who will never render a just judgment. You have to be just. The ancient Greeks conceptualized justice as a part of the self and externally. There is a sense in which we have to be just internally, I think. We have to master continents, so to speak. Self-mastery. We have to overcome our urges and subdue them under reason. I don't believe in the Aristotelian idea that there's a mean, there's a balance. No, not necessarily. I think that you, these concepts, if they're going to be actualized in their fullest sense, they have to be actualized in one way, good way or a bad way. You can't have a mean or a balance, but you should master yourself, engage in continence and subdue all of that and work through the world in a very, un, in a very M- not moderate, in a very level-headed way. That's what I say. So that's, that's what I say. <laughs> I could be wrong, of course. But I think that's what you have to do. So please stop staying on the surface. Go beyond the surface, my friends. Go beyond the surface. You are greater than you give yourself credit for if you stay on the surface. And if you deny yourself that internal justice, if you deny yourself that false understanding, if you deny, if you blind yourself with sunglasses or light of the truth, then that's you'll, all you'll get is ignorance. End this culture of vain fascinations, and you'll be better for it, I promise you. This society will be better for it. Our understanding will be better for it. The ancient texts say, cast on every high thing and wicked imagination. Well, engage in that kind of action and cast down these imaginations. Leave them at the ground. And nothing will all be better for it. Alright guys. Coming in on our last minute here. Again, thank you so much for listening to me. Seriously, I appreciate it. I know it can be hard sometimes, but this. thank you so much for listening to me. If you can, please, I want you to subscribe on YouTube. Christian Washington is my hell name. Pet um a podcast or Spotify. Type in next again. Apple Podcasts or Spotify, type in Pensive Politics or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Pandora or Pepper Ravens or Media Network. Wherever you are, please type in Pensive Politics. I need you to do that. Um, Give me a subscribe on YouTube. Comment on my YouTube channel. Comment on this video. Comment on, on my other things. It is so good to be with you guys. Please, I'm trying to cause something good to happen in this world. Something brilliant. And I know that you have the ability, you have the power to do that. And help me do that. We're going to get this message out there. This message is dynamite, my friends. And it will. I promise you. It will be heard. It will be talked about. It will get its tele- televisation, so to speak, as uh, the old days would say. All right, my friends. It's good to be with you today. And as always, I ask you, I beseech you, I implore you. I and implore you to please, forever and eternally, stay pensive. I love all you guys. See you later. Bye.